both an art and a science, valuations are complex things and their impact is enormous, making the difference between generational wealth creation and a comfortable retirement. At Bizval, we know how tough it is to grow and run a business, which is exactly why we've made valuations simpler. Whether you are using our online tool Bizval Live or reaching out to us for a concierge offering where we spend more time on your numbers and your business and give you detailed feedback, you can be sure that the same techniques being used by professional investors are also being used by us. And with Bizval Bootcamp, we will prepare you for those discussions with investors. Welcome to this episode of the Bizval Podcast with your host, The Finance Ghost. And today I'm speaking to Johnny Kipps all the way from the Isle of Man. So you probably have superbikes whirring around an island in your head now because that is certainly what the Isle of Man is most famous for, Johnny. And we were chatting before we jumped on to record about just how much tourism it brings to the island and how the population of the island basically swells for effectively a week and uh, brings in all kinds of interesting people from around the world, huge economic you know, boost for the island. Must be an interesting place to live. And I think you said you've been there 33 years, ex-Cape Town. Yes, good morning, Ghost. Uh, yeah, we came from... Cape Town, came to Castletown in 1991. We, we chose to live very close to the schools, having lived in Cape Town and making long journeys from the south, from Marina de Gama up to the Rondewash area. Uh, we decided that was crazy, and so we live in Castletown. The, the superbikes are um, a, an amazing exercise for the Alaman, or the TT, really because the, the population grows from somewhere around 80,000 to maybe 110,000, 120,000 for two weeks. It's, it's an extraordinary experience. And if you go down to the ferry, um, on the evenings when TT is on, and you just see this long train of bikes coming off, it is an amazing sight. They, they seem to be coming out of the ferry for about uh, half an hour every every incoming place. Astonishing. It's quite funny. So you were definitely destined to live in a small place because for those who don't know Cape Town, Marina de Gama and Rondebosch are about 20 minutes away <laughs> from each other. It's not quite <laughs> It's not quite three days by Oxwagon. So, uh, uh, I, think you, I think you must come from far away. They are not. They're 10 miles apart. <laughs> so I think, Johnny, let's move into the business that you are with today, which is called Forecast 5. And I'm going to let you explain just the background of the business. It's always good to get an understanding of sort of what it is and where it's come from. Well, thanks. Um, my business partner in New Zealand, Jeff Nightingale, was the national distributor in New Zealand for product uh, owned by the Sage Group, big accounting group called Sage Wind Forecast. And he was the distributor of this product for about 15 years. Uh, Sage Wind Forecast was very, very popular, providing forecasting and budgeting for accountants wherever they wanted it uh, and it produced balance sheet cash flow profit loss and funds flow statements very quickly in in 2010 sage had a new chief executive come in a frenchman and sage had got pretty much software indigestion they had over a hundred different products many of them competing and the French guy very pragmatically said, get rid of all the external stuff, stick to the knitting. And a lot of products went uh, to the wall. And Sage Wind Forecast was one of them. And Jeff then said, I've got to look after my clients. 
in New Zealand. I've sold him this product and he went about replacing it. So Sage Wind Forecast didn't only go to the wall, they stopped supporting it. And support in, in a software environment is absolutely essential. So Jeff said, uh, we need to have a replacement. And he, he launched, and in fact, we're about to come up to our 10th birthday. He launched Forecast 5 in, in 2013. I joined in 2015 to help spearhead Forecast 5 into the UK market. That's really the, the, the background to the, the product. Very interesting. So born out of a bigger group effectively, or rather a bigger group actually walking away from something. There's lots of stories like that, I think. In financial services, I've heard a few, not just in accounting, but you'll often find you know, a team gets closed down in a big corporate or a financial services business of some description and the people go off and kind of build something that takes its place. It's, it's very interesting. And you know, at the moment, I know you are looking at the UK market, New Zealand, Australia, those are sort of your cores. And I think South Africa is next for you, isn't it? Uh, South Africa is very much part of our target market drive. South Africa is, for, for us here, pretty much in the same time zone. You know, one hour different is very difficult, obviously, from New Zealand. The same language, to a large extent. I know that we've got 11 languages in South Africa, but uh, you know, a lot of people speak English, thank goodness, in, in South Africa. And, and uh, the, the laws are... are, are coming to a large extent from the same stock. And although IFRS and um, IFRS for small businesses are, are the, the language or the guidelines, the rules of accounting, we, we don't have to forecast within those guidelines. But, but in fact, our reports are within those guidelines. And so, for instance, our funds flow statement which ties together the, the other three, which I mentioned earlier, cash flow, balance sheet, P&L. Funds flow statement is very, very uh, uh, look-alike to, to anything else that you're going to find in IFRS. Yeah, people don't realize that accounting doesn't always travel well. The US is very different. Obviously, GARP, US GARP is something different, but any of the sort of IFRS countries, it travels, it travels very well. So that makes... A world of sense, I guess. Some of the tax stuff is maybe a little bit similar as well. But, you know, let's go back maybe to why this thing exists in the first place. So a lot of accountants, a lot of business owners still use Excel. And I guess that comes with the risk of errors, right? As soon as there's a manual process, and I've done a lot of financial modeling in my life, so I know what those Excel errors look like. Is that a big part of why this product actually exists? Um, look, we all love Excel. You know, it, it is the language of business. Just before I came on this podcast, I was, I was looking at a, a video um, on the, the use of AI in Excel. There's absolutely no doubt everybody uses Excel, but, but it's not an appropriate tool for uh, budgeting and forecasting because you need to make sure that everything has a, a sort of double-entry architecture and that it balances and you don't spend your time looking for the balance you want to be able to produce the figures quickly and then interpret the figures for use in the business excel is not built for that sort of structure for that it's it's not a viable product for using on a long-term basis in big corporates forecast five is and so we suggest to people and many say to us look we 
we're, we're going back, we're going to use Excel or we've come from an Excel environment and we realize that it's got its, its handicaps. And we refer them quite often to the European Spreadsheet Risk Group, which analyzes all the horror stories. And the most recent horror story, which was horrific, was where 16,000 COVID trace patients were just dropped off the bottom of a spreadsheet because people inputting the detail didn't realize that they were using old version of Excel and they dumped a whole lot of people on and then left off the bottom lines. And, and, and that got to uh, bring in Bill Gates himself, who said historically, well, I think people should check what they do, check the outputs. <laughs> well, thanks very much, Mr. Gates. 1,500 people are, are claimed to have died because of that incident. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. I remember my early days in banking. I distinctly recall a spreadsheet. I mean, it was monumental numbers. You've never seen numbers like this in your life until you start working, especially in a big bank. It's all the billions. And, you know, you get to a point where you've almost reconciled something and it's, you know, it's 5,000 rand off. And you think to yourself, oh, that's close, you know, and you show it to the person you're reporting into and you're like, look how close it is. And I'll never, ever forget, he said to me, that may be true, but do you realize it could be a billion rand run in one direction and a billion rand and 5,000 run in the other direction? And the net is 5,000, but the thing is horrendously, horrendously run. And that actually stayed with me. I distinctly recall that conversation, you know, and that's that, yeah, as soon as you get into these sort of manual processes and people don't realize how many manual processes still exist in big organizations, small organizations, honestly, all over the place. So I guess forecast five, part of it is to actually automate some of this stuff and just take out some of the errors. Uh, in, indeed. You know, just, just go back to Excel. One of the, the, the favorite stories I have is of Lehman Brothers when the executives, the insolvency practitioners were selling off the assets. Barclays was interested in one group of assets and they, uh, they, they sent back to the uh, insolvency chaps, well, we'll have this lot. And when the insolvency chaps opened it, they found that actually there was a hidden column. And, and that hidden column, Barclays said, no, we don't want this one, but so we just closed the column. The practitioners opened it and said, yeah, thanks, thanks very much. And that led to a big court case, which Barclays lost, and they landed up picking up all of these you know, terrible assets. So forecast five has its only focus on one thing, and that's budgeting and forecasting. And all the functionalities, which are numerous, are geared and focused towards producing those key reports. And once the business brings in their actuals, what did we do last month? Bring it into the forecast, into the budget, and then have variance analysis what did we do last month? What did we budget? What is the variance last month? What is the variance year to date? And rolling forecasts indicating we've done this for the last few months in actuals. We have budgeted that for the next to the end of the uh, budgeting period. Therefore, that's what we expect on the best information we have at the moment to, to be. That's where we expect to be at the end of this budgeting period. Forecast 5 only focuses on doing that. It doesn't focus on selling assets to markets. Yeah, that makes sense. It's got to be focused, I guess. So I think, Johnny, moving on to how you actually you know, sell this thing, I think what's interesting with Forecast 5, you're only really moving into cloud now. It's actually still a desktop product, which is quite unusual these days because obviously everything is cloud and software is a service. 
So, you know, I guess that you must have come under some pressure from users on that. And now you are transitioning into cloud. Uh, yes. So I think that the, the initial development of this was probably before a cloud really started to take off. And um, it's quite interesting that the accounting package zero began around the corner from where Forecast 5 started in, in Auckland. But they started you know, six years later, probably, and cloud was well developed at that stage. So having started with desktop version, network version, uh, we've pushed through um, to the point where it's really a, a, a pretty slick product. And the cloud development has been underway for a, a year or two and is in its final testing now. Interesting. Okay. And there'll be some big benefits going into cloud. Obviously, you know, they're pretty much endless in terms of it's easy to roll out updates. It gives you a recurring income model because at the moment, I think it's annual subscriptions, right? So I guess that'll continue. But yeah, I mean, obviously anyone who kind of follows big US tech companies understands software as a service. It sounds lucrative in or in theory. In practice, sometimes it's very difficult. There's no shortage of US tech companies that make no money. Um, Forecast 5 won't be that. I think Spotify just released results. I'm giving away when we're recording this. It's an old story. Lots of revenue. Not much in the way of profit growth. There are so many, so many US firms that unfortunately fit into that. And, and you know, small businesses don't have that luxury. They can't just sit and grow revenue for the sake of it and not actually grow profits. A list of companies get away with all kinds of interesting stuff around that and i think one of the places i just want to take the podcast and just have a discussion is you know in your experience johnny to what extent do the entrepreneurs really understand their numbers or are they just completely reliant on accountants to actually give them proper reporting explain how it works how often do they really dig in in your experience uh, uh, well my guess about this ghost is that in the uh, it, it all it all depends on them understanding the business model first and really understanding how the business works. So in the early years of the entrepreneur, to a large extent, you know, the, the accountants can sit in the back room. They're not really, as long as the cash is flowing in, because, because all entrepreneurs understand cash to be king. But as it grows, the, the seat of a pants approach, they have to bring in other people to be able to take proper account of, of all the, the other things that are going on in the business and make sure they don't fall into some future liability hole. Um, uh, cash remains king, but the accountants have to be part of the tapestry. Something I want to touch on as well. You wrote an article about how you believe going concern statements in financial reporting could be improved. So for those who aren't accountants, a going concern means a business that is expected to carry on for the next year, or I'm sure it's defined differently in each uh, country where it applies, but basically it's saying, this thing is a business that is going to carry on. We as the auditors believe that to be the case. I often make a joke that there's a difference between going concern and an ongoing concern, uh, which many companies are. <laughs> this is different. So how do you think a forecasting tool like this, you know, improves the ability for companies to actually make that assessment around going concern auditors? Do you think there's scope here to just improve the quality of auditing in the profession? I do, Ghost. I honestly do. Um, I, was, I was really taken aback when one of the huge engineering firms in the UK, Carillion, went to the wall. I mean, we all know there are lots of companies going to the wall, unfortunately, all of the time. But Carillion really got to me. And I, and, I, and I looked at it and I thought, how is it that a company that's had unblemished accounts, 
year on year has suddenly gone to the wall. And when you look at it closely, at the end of the audit, and I don't want to impugn any any uh, auditing companies here, but w w at the end of the period, uh, the accounting and financial sign-off, the auditors have to look at the uh, going concern statement and sign off on that too. And the um, Financial Reporting Council here published a couple of papers on, on just how detailed that analysis behind the going concern uh, assessments had been. And actually it was hair-raising because it, it turns out that in many cases the, the, the supporting judgments or the, the, the analysis supporting the judgments sounded very flaky. My belief is that, that that should be supported by a really robust forecasting model that year on year has the same very limited parameters um, and the accountants and the auditors and the company can look at this and say, well, do we trust this model? So using Excel, and we've spoken about the, the limitations of Excel, I, I think that there's, there's a lot that should be done by the regulators to tighten that part up particularly. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So last question before we wrap this up, a little bit of sort of broader advice for entrepreneurs with B2B businesses like yours, you know, selling into professional services. Just curious, what has been some of your experience around actually selling into professional services, things that work, things that don't, just any insights you may want to impart on others listening to this podcast who are perhaps, you know, not competitors necessarily, but in a similar business where they are selling services into businesses? Well, goes to our, our target market, just to be clear, and just to bring it back to the fact that we're also interested to be coming into the South African market. Our target market really are accountants in the, in the profession, the finance teams in industry and commerce, and not-for-profits, charities, uh, you know, anybody who needs to really produce uh, a good forecast into the future. We've had a lovely time. You know, I, I love talking to people. And, and at the end of the day, this is really a person-to-person. -person. You close the deals with the people. You might, you might uh, build the brand and um, focus on the best ways to get the name of the brand across using social media and advertising and whatever else you can do, the conferences. But at the end of the day, people buy because they like to deal with people they trust. And so we try to build on that aspect. That, 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 is my, that is my belief for business. It may be a little old-fashioned, but deal with people that you recognize, you, you, you trust, and you believe can support you going forward. Yeah, makes a world of sense to me. I fully agree with that. I think that's been our experience in Bizval as well. Johnny, I think we can leave it there. Thanks for your time. It's been interesting to learn a little bit more about Forecast 5, chat to someone from the Isle of Man. Uh, we've really internationalized this podcast in recent episodes. We've had Europe, we've had the US, we've had all sorts. It's very interesting. We'll have to do uh, someone from Australasia at some point. So if you know anyone really interested in New Zealand, we should get them on. But uh, thanks for your time, Johnny. And yeah, I look forward to seeing what you can do with Forecast 5, entry into the South African market. I've no doubt that uh, we'll be chatting more as Bizval with you on a variety of things. So thank you for this and I look forward to chatting soon. Cheers. Thank you very much indeed, Ghost. Nice chatting to you.